There is breaking news in the federal criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's tax returns. An attorney for an IRS supervisor sent a letter to lawmakers today asking for whistleblower protection, saying his client has information that suggests the investigation is being improperly influenced by, quote, preferential treatment and politics. Here's CBS News chief investigative correspondent Jim Axelrod. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. We've created more than 12,000 brand new jobs in two years. That's more than any president of American history has created in four years. But you have, we have a thousand billionaires in America. You know the average tax rate they pay? Eight, E-I-G-H percent. 8%. I get how folks are struggling with inflation. I grew up in a house where the price of gas went up, you felt it. It was a discussion at the kitchen table, not a joke. Would you go into space if you had the chance? And if so, what is the maximum amount of time you'd be willing to stay out there for? <laughs> is that a request? <laughs> Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 129 here on Thursday, April 20th. And I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm probably Mike McKenna. <laughs> Michael McKenna, how was your week? I always uh, like to start with that. I yeah, just want to catch up. I appreciate you. that. So far it's been it's been odd. I've had I've had a lot of time to do writing and and I've gotten a bunch of extra work done and the weather's been great. And I've done some long runs. I feel kind of, I feel kind of like I'm a, like a retired hippie kind of. It's good. That's great. I love that. I had a very busy week. It's, it's been crazy. Uh, my colleague Lisa is riding herd on me to get uh, to, to pound the pavement to get the resources in the door for said uh, organization. Good for her. Uh, but it's been good. It's been good. I've been touching base with a lot of folks, and uh, we've had a busy week here at the organization. Whistleblower. We got a whistleblower. Uh, is are you shocked? Are you shocked? Yeah, I'm surprised. That theoretically, the politicos are trying to interfere yes. with the investigation of Hunter Biden. I mean, you know, you, and don't have anything to say about said whistleblower. You you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be a you wouldn't be a political appointee if you weren't trying to interfere in the in the investigation. The thing that struck me, and this is this is something I've been I've been watching this story for a while. And it about two weeks ago it crossed a threshold, and I'll tell you that the threshold it crossed. It crossed the threshold from conservative media talking about it to regular media talking about it, and that, that that's why I played the clip because it was from CBS. CBS. Yeah, and that's the thing yeah. that struck me too. I had a conversation with a reporter in a mainstream legacy media operation about this about uh, a week ago. I said, "This is starting to look like it's something." You know, is this something? And and his opinion was, yeah, I think this is something. And and I kind of feel better about it because I've been thinking all along that the way this thing was going to end up is justice was going to give him a sweetheart settlement and have him sign it and tie it up in a bow. I'm starting to wonder if the real play here isn't that they're going to enmesh the, the president in it and this is how they're going to hit the eject button on him and we're going to have Gavin Newsom run against um, Kamala Harris. Yeah. Governor Gavin. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. I saw something the other day which struck me as interesting. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal opinion page. Biden should pardon Trump. Uh, that's something I've said for a year now, or at least a year. And, 
and pardon pardon hunter yeah <laughs> right I, just I, I, get it done like just clear the decks that's right so. it, it it would it would maybe i didn't maybe i haven't said this on the podcast i know i've written in a monthly note it would it would put the boss in a really bad spot because you got to accept a pardon yeah did, right. did he be he'd be in like oh man i don't want to do that but 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 yeah, but, but. You, you know it won't happen because the as you've discussed uh, numerous times this is this is how the democrats keep trump viable so that they you know they 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 feel like their only person that they can beat is trump right in this cycle or in this in this environment this world we live in that's certainly what the polling indicates i will say something else right if i was president biden um i would do it as a matter of self preservation cuz cuz you know he he by now unless he's Completely addled, he must understand he's a target here. Yeah, you know this is this so, is. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say. Speaking of Biden, we have a little. We had a, a montage of oh, Biden's fuzzy math here in the opening clips and fuzzy spelling. Don't forget the fuzzy spelling. First of all, first of all, <laughs> uh, he did not create. I mean, I'll give him credit. He created more than twelve thousand new jobs. He did it in two years. That's more than anyone's ever done it in four years. <laughs> So, it, it, and then he, of course, had a little trouble with the the number eight, E I G H. And uh, this is your weekly reminder that gas prices were completely flat during President Biden's childhood. I, so the whole I have uh, no you idea know, what, little anxiety thing—it's just it doesn't play well. It's, it, just, it's just what difference does it make? Nobody used gas when he was a kid. Everybody rode around on horses or dinosaurs. <laughs> Something like that. Come on, man. It's what Studebakers were like the popular car back then. <laughs> <And> Stanley Steamers. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right, and then of course, Kamala in space. Yes, please. <laughs> that kid. I don't know who that kid was who asked the question, but he should be given some kind of a. My, my favorite was. Uh, she's like, are you? Are you requesting that? Is that what? You're suggesting, I'm like, yeah, 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 go. I have to be honest with you. That's exactly what it sounded like, didn't it? I know. Would you be willing to uh, get yourself shot into space and stay there forever? For a while. Maybe you'll (laughs) save Biden's hide. All right. uh, Announcements today? Mm. Anything? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, um, One is that yesterday was, of course, your birthday. So ah, I thought I could avoid that, but thank you, sir. <laughs> Happy birthday! And because you were thanks, kind, boss. You were kind enough not to mention my birth, my the, the year of my birthday. I'm not going to mention a year of yours. So. Well, thank you. Will we grow old together? Let's right? hope. Let's hope not. The other thing I found out. <laughs> um, the other thing I found out is that our um, friend of the show, Graham Ann Idsall, Ann Austin. I guess Austin's her married name. She's apparently expecting a child here in the next month or so. Oh, so congratulations, congratulations, Anne, if you're listening. I did not know that. I apologize for not being up on it. Um, at some point, I want to talk about Ukraine, but I know you got a show to do, so let's do that. Okay. Well, that's not really an announcement, is it, unless you're going Well, it's Ukraine. an announcement because one of our longtime listeners pulled me aside in an event this week. and um, Just let's do it now. It's our show. We can do whatever the hell we want. We're going to do this. Okay. Um to the person who who did this, and you know who you are, um, I, I want to kind of explain this because it, it's it's something that that I think people misunderstand. So let me explain our reservations about the Ukraine enterprise. Here's here's here are the two principal 
um, reservations. Reservation number one is um, the Europeans themselves, the neighbors of the Ukrainians, don't seem to care. They have given less than combined. They've given less than half of what the United States has given the Ukrainians. Um, that's reservation number one. If your neighbors don't want to save you, I'm not exactly sure why the guy six blocks over should save you. Um, reservation number two is there doesn't seem to be a plan B. Everybody talks about how it's a battle for democracy and all this, and I'm willing to overlook the um, questions about the Ukrainian sturdiness of the Ukrainian democracy. But it's probably likely that the Ukrainians are going to lose or certainly have to surrender some of their territory. What's our plan B when we have to eat that? Do we get up and say, hey, it was a defeat for democracy or do you have something else in mind? It's it, The whole enterprise, and this is the third and final point I'll make, the whole enterprise is characterized by the same lack of second order thought that almost all of our military interventions have been since World War II. Our whole, okay. our whole foreign policy apparatus, including the Defense Department, seems incapable of thinking more than a step ahead. And this thing is especially pointed in Ukraine, right? You know, something bad's going to happen. What are we going to do about it? The neighbors don't care. It, it's, it's not that we don't want Ukraine to survive. It's not that we don't want to blacken the eye of the Russians. Everybody, all Americans are in favor, all that stuff. It's a lack of thought that's going into all of it. No, there's absolutely no need to apologize. It's an important discussion uh, that we can, should continue to have because there really isn't a plan B. And it reminds me of something you said before about you know wishing that some of our military leaders would own up to some of their mistakes because they're not the ones dying, right, in these situations. Other people are. So. Our military, you know, bottom line, I say this all the time, I'm a military, I'll say it again. Our military at the unit level, enlisted, lieutenants, captains at the unit level are the is the best in the planet. There's no doubt that we are the best warriors on the planet at the unit level. At the staff level, majors and up, we may have the worst military in the, on the planet. And and people bureaucracy too right exactly people the, uh, people don't understand that Senator Sullivan was up uh, you know beating on the Navy brass because they literally have changed their entire mission and focus uh, to the point where I, I've argued they should change their logo or their their motto to honor courage and climate change instead of commitment um, they they've got a goal of being net zero carbon emissions by 2050. There's nowhere in the, in, in any statutory uh, body of, uh, you know, any law whatsoever that says that the Navy should be focusing on being net That's right. zero. That's right. And, and, you so, know, Colonel, Colonel Sullivan, United States Marine Corps, he understands that he gets all it. right. So I have one quick announcement. I want to give a shout out to uh, our policy director at IR, Kenny Stein. He testified yesterday at the ways and means committee for about five hours uh, uh, gave, oh, oh, gave good testimony, um, to which my colleague Dan texted me and said, I'm glad it was him and not me. Cause there's no way I would have been able to sit there for five hours without having to go to the bathroom like two or three times. Seriously, so, man. Now, he did a good job. And I think that the, the, um, Republicans are, are starting to get their sea legs a little on this stuff. Uh, this was the subject of course was all the subsidies for green energy in the IRA and, 
a subject we've talked about in the past about how the estimates for the spend on this thing were lowballed. Well, right? yeah, it was also it was also about about how the money's going to filter into China eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, especially mm-hmm. Ford Motor Ford Motor Company's deal out of Michigan, that has to be. Which I, the, the Republicans in Michigan are starting to push back on that thing a little bit. I don't know if it's a done deal. Uh, I don't know how if there are enough Republicans to try to put some. The administration some could stop. It. The administration could stop it right now and just say we're not gonna we're not gonna um, give you guys a credit for that. That that's outside of guidance, right? We're not gonna do it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting patiently for the for the China Hawks inside the administration to start making noise about that. I'm like, this company, you know, CATL Cattle, right? The, the most uh, arguably the most political, and that's saying something. The most political company in communist China. I mean, that guy who <laughs> runs it sits on the damn Politburo almost. So yeah. it it it's a it's a yeah. thing. I commend I commend Chairman Smith for. Having that hearing, I'm glad Kenny yep. went. That's that's a win on both sides. Um, ways and means. Uh, Ian Energy and Commerce is having a hearing, a similar hearing next week, uh, which we should uh, we'll probably make a little bit of news on. Just teasing that out for our listeners. Um, okay, this day in history in 1902, sir. 18th April. What happened? April 20th. April 20th, 1902. 1902. 1902, April 20. It has to do with science. I was going to guess baseball. Science. Science? Uh, Hell if I know. Marie and Pierre Curie. Yeah. Successfully isolates radioactive radium salts from the mineral pitch blend in their laboratory in Paris. Discovered the existence of the elements radium and polonium in their research. Etc. 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 Went on to win several Nobel Peace Prizes. Well, um, no. for hopefully further she research. Hopefully, she just won Nobel prizes. Nobel prizes. Sorry, yeah, that's. What Do I you mean. know her tomb is and, still uh, ra- her tomb is still is still radioactive? Yeah, I was gonna say her. Uh, uh, she tragically died of leukemia <laughs> caused by four decades of exposure. So she did literally take one for the team. Oh, oh um, man. Another, uh, another <laughs> okay. Pierre. This was another Pierre. This was 1968. 1968. This, this, uh, this is another Pierre. We shot about another Pierre. Pierre Trudeau became prime minister of Canada. Boom! I knew you'd get this one. <laughs> I was a who knows. I was a guess. <laughs> Pierre Elliott Trudeau of the Liberal Party became prime minister of Canada. But you know, um, and of course, his claim to fame is he birthed a. I'm going to be gentle and kind. Birth a rather peculiar child he who is sired, now running Canada into the ground. Sired, so he, he sired a he sired a kid who has a fetish for brown face at, at comedy yeah. skits. Yeah, 1999. This is a, these are these these next two suck. 1999. Columbine. Columbine. Yeah, 13 yeah. Uh, teenage gunmen. Two teenage gunmen killed 13 people in a shooting spree. Columbine. Where were you? I don't remember. I remember. I'm sure I was working. I'm sure I was in my office. I remember so. very distinctly where it was. I was I was driving down the highway that runs from Sioux City down to Sioux Falls along the Mississippi River. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I, anyway, um, it's it's like 15. No, it must be 45, 55. Anyway, um, driving down that highway when that news broke. Um, I was out doing focus groups. I remember real clearly I was doing a, a sequence on ranchers and farmers. and. Um, 
Call my boy. Yeah. Call my boys that night when I got when I got into the hotel. That was a rough one. Yeah, no, they're all they all suck, but that one is sort of the the, the yeah the the shock of, kind of the the shock of it. You know, all these things happen on or around yesterday. Ironically, my birthday. So uh, it's like copycat stuff, right? The universe is saying something. Easy. <laughs> uh, twenty ten on this day in twenty ten. This was uh, another pretty devastating deal here in the united states of america particularly in our gulf of mexico um i don't oh do we do was that the blowout was that the bp water yeah yeah really water horizon rig uh exploded it's been that on this day in 2010 yeah um wow which uh was we talked about valdez a couple weeks back this was in fact the largest oil spill in history um, and it was a BP rig, uh, which we made a little controversy about yeah, right. back in the day. <laughs> uh, and but all- you know, they, they, they didn't, they didn't do something right with the mud and all that other good stuff. And and that's how it got out of hand. So. Yeah. Well, their blowout preventer didn't, wasn't installed correctly. That was that. Yeah. Yeah. If memory uh, anyway. Me. Those are them's are this day in history, and I have a few subjects, and I want to know where you would like to start. Uh, we can go election stuff, or we can go energy. No, it's your call entirely. I'll... Or we can go debt limit. Where do you want to start? Oh, I don't really care. Those. I'm All only... right, let's do debt limit. Let's do debt limit. Okay. Let's hear from our two chief opponents in the ring ding 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 speaker mccarthy and president biden on the opening salvo of the debt limit fight now that we've introduced a clear plan for a responsible debt limit increase they have no more excuse and refuse to negotiate i think the senate can honor maple syrup and basketball teams and negotiate on a debt ceiling at the same time. We owe it to the American people to use this moment in history to deliver the future they want, need, and deserve. This is really dangerous. Mega Republican Congress are threatening to default on the national debt, the debt that took 230 years to accumulate overall, overall, unless we do what they say. They say they're going to default unless I agree to all these wacko notions they have. Default would be worse than totally irresponsible. Okay, so McCarthy says, get off your butt and start negotiating. And Joe Biden, President Biden, calls McCarthy a whack job. That's essentially where we are. Uh, just for background for our folks uh, and uh, listening, um, Pre- Speaker McCarthy has just cobbled together about a 320 page bill to address the debt limit, which would increase the debt limit by a a trillion and a half dollars or until the end of March 2024, which is, of course, primary season. Um, 4.5 trillion in savings in clawbacks in part by cutting discretionary spending to fiscal 22 levels, limiting the growth of future spending, uh, reclaiming unspent COVID-19 funds, canceling President Biden's student loan forgiveness program, rescinding new funding for the IRS, of course, and enacting work requirements for federal aid programs, which has prompted the president to say he wants to take away all your money. Uh, And then, interestingly enough, on the energy hook, they 
lapped on, lopped on a, a, a big chunk of the energy bill, HR1, that was included, uh, that was passed recently. And fortunately, they uh, target uh, IRA green credits, the stuff we talked about at the hearing yesterday, modifying some, but completely repealing a host of them, including clean hydrogen, sustainable aviation fuel, renewable electricity, and used clean vehicles. So opening salvo, this was a, a passage is unclear. Uh, but it, clearly the House Freedom Caucus had a pretty strong hand. And from conversations I've had, they are being realistic and reasonable uh, about expectations uh, for this. Uh, but, you know, clearly uh, it's an opening, you know, position for the House of Representatives and the Democrats in the Senate and President Biden are like, nope, I just want a clean bill. So your thoughts, sir? It's the strongest bit of legislation I've ever seen the Republicans cough up. In in forty years of watching the Republicans try to do that this stuff, that is saying something, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. That is saying something yeah. right there. It, it it's this it's the strongest piece of legislation I've ever seen the Republicans offer up. You know what what happens as the process goes along. I think is um, going to be interesting. I imagine what's going to happen is the twenty or so senators um, who run that place are going to come up with an answer and then give it to the House, and there'll be some back and forth. I don't imagine this is where the thing winds up. But by starting here, the House does something that they've never done before, at least not for a while. They've, they've maximized their chances of getting something. Um, I'm in, I'm, yeah. I, I am very impressed. Um, I, 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 and, and it's not just that it's, it's not just that it's substantially good, right? It's not just good on the substance. It was well done on the process, right? He just skipped the budget resolution. He's like, forget it. That's like a, that's a loser's game to do the budget yeah. resolution, make everybody walk the plank twice. Um, yep. It it's it's a bold document, and I'm glad, and it gives everybody something to rally around. It's exactly what everybody wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But you know how this goes a lot of times in leadership. They're like, well, I don't they start negotiating with themselves. Well, let me give you a perfect example of that, shall I? Sure. Senator Capito. Oh, boy. Who is now a, a Republican. Yeah. Just leave it at that. Here's her quote. Putting all of HR1 on there is probably a bit of, a, of the apple that is just a little too big. <sighs> yeah. But added that if it's narrowed down to meaningful permitting reform, that might be enough to satisfy some folks. So you can't even like wait for the ink to dry on the paper before you start negotiating against yourself. No, seriously, let me help. Let me help. Senator. I, I, don't, I don't understand the strategy there. Like, uh, what is that? You know, she, she she's a she's a senator, right? Um, let me help yeah. Senator Capito. Um, and I've been through this before, and I'll be obviously I'm going to have to say it again. If you're looking for meaningful permitting reform, HR one's not your boy. If you're looking for a good start, HR one's your boy. That's right. So you know it. It can't be reduced to meaningful permitting reform. It, it's already a reduction from meaningful permit reform. So um, I would be surprised if the junior senator from West Virginia could grasp any of what I just said. But I'm hopeful. And this is where I remind folks to thank Senator Manchin yeah. for getting us in this mess in the first yeah, place. Seriously. The senior senator from West Virginia. Yeah, if, he had, if, he had just, um, if he had just done the right thing, this would be a look a lot different. Warning for any of you staffers listening on HR1, quote unquote, permitting, do not trade anything in that bill for giving FERC the authority to run roughshod over states on transmission. Correct. That is not a fair trade. Correct. That is a bad policy. 
Correct. That rewards all of this. That undercuts all of your efforts to claw back all of these subsidies because that's the only thing that's preventing these companies from spending that money. They can't get through that process. If they if they let that go, then they're basically saying, yeah, forget it. We're gonna we're gonna do this transition thing. We're gonna let the Democrats win. That's my take. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, is that FERC itself doesn't want the doesn't probably doesn't want the authority to nationalize the grid because they're like, why would we want to do that? That thing yeah. is sticky and terrible and awful. Sticky, so, icky, icky. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. so yes, I can't agree with you. It would be impossible for me to agree with you more emphatically on this. Wow, I don't disagree. No, I didn't say that. I know. <laughs> I would during my research and listen to other podcasts, like Washington based pop podcasts, you you are you could be shocked at how often that phrase comes up. I don't disagree. It's just insane. For, okay, for uh, our listeners, can I, I need to the, I need to break in for a second. For our listeners, this is a running gag for years. I have been stopping people in mid-sentence when they say, Well, I don't disagree with that. I'm like, does that mean you agree? And people, I was actually you actually beat that out of me, so I give you credit. And for people, that. people for years, you see it now. People look at me like, "What? You're not supposed to ask questions about our verbal linguistics." Hold on, yeah. there, Leroy. Anyway, sorry. All right, diverge. You want energy or the race for the White House? Uh, oh boy, uh, let's go with energy. All right, I got a little bit here. Energy, uh, energy for two hundred, Alex. Energy for two hundred. Okay, so I got a little, a little bit here uh, on nukes. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that Mike's no longer listening uh, because I'm bullish uh, on nukes today. Uh, this is from AP News. Yeah. Europe's most powerful nuclear reactor kicks off in Finland, which we've spent the last three years learning Finnish, which would come real <laughs> handy in Virginia. Easy boy. Finland's much delayed and costly new uh, nuclear reactor, Europe's most powerful by production capacity, has completed a test phase lasting more than a year and started regular output, boosting the Nordic country's electricity self-sufficiency significantly. The, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, the reactor, which has 1,600 megawatt capacity, was connected into the Finnish national power grid in March and kicked off regular production on Sunday. Meanwhile... On the other side of Europe. Pack of the ranch. This from CNBC. Germany has shut down its last three nuclear power plants. And some climate scientists are aghast. Uh, as of Sunday, April 16th, Germany is no longer producing any electricity from nuclear power plants. To your point about them not caring about the situation in Ukraine, they are literally closing the last of their nuclear plants at a time when, and I think Paige Lambermont from my staff for these stats, at a time when Germany's electricity prices increased by more than 288% in just three measly little years. Yeah. What's, what's German power going off at now? 60, 70 cents per, something like that? Some big uh, let's see. Uh, 135.9 uh, wholesale price 135.9 pounds per megawatt hour in January of 2023. 
Oh, so it's about a buck. It's about a buck. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, it's more. That's about for purposes of comparison. If my math is right, that's about two and a half times what what power is going off at in California. To give you some sense, yeah, which is the largest, the highest uh, electricity prices in the United States. Second, I think Hawaii's got the highest. Just oh, that's true. Hawaii's an island. And yeah, just sitting they, out there yeah, in the middle of nowhere, yep, right? Yep, yep, yep. That's true. So. Um, oh, I don't know. California might have caught him. I guess I, I got to spend some time with the AA numbers, I suppose. Is beyond shocking to me that they did this. Um, and, and also, I just saw that they're about to ban uh, anything other than heat pumps. Yeah. As why, well. Why is it shocking so, to you? I mean, the, the interesting part of this story is, of course, that um, and, and the part nobody really wants, as we come into Earth Day. Let me start it this way. As we come into Lenin's, Earth Day. Lenin's birthday. Lenin's birthday. Uh, as we kind of come into Earth Day, the important part of the story that everyone seems to don't want to, doesn't seem to want to talk about is, is that the modern day environmental movement in the West was built basically as an anti-nuclear movement, right? The, the bones of it are the, are the were built on the anti-nuclear um yeah, the, the China that's syndrome and that's right. all that good stuff. That's right. Yeah. So, so the idea. Good that, movie, by the way. It's, it's an interesting movie. You should watch. So it. the idea. It's, all you young. It's a terrible movie. It's got Jane Fonda in it, so it's a non-starter <laughs> right away. Don't watch. Don't watch movies involving people who root for the other side in wars. Um, right, fair enough. Take, I'll take it back. Um, what I'm saying to you is that the is that the people making these decisions are now are are are. You know, right down to their DNA, anti-nuclear. Everyone seems amazed that the Germans are doing this. I'm like, of course the Germans are doing this. The Germans have been on a 20-year jihad against their own nuclear power plants. Yeah. Um, only the French are going to avoid this and the Americans because, you know, most Americans are not political. They're economic. So they're like, that thing's making power and it's making relatively cheap power. Why would we close it, right? It's Germany... I, I don't know what goes on with those guys. I really don't. They don't seem. Well, they don't seem to destroying care about their manufacturing base. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's the inexplicable that's thing, right? I and mean, that was the thing that like they were like the machine, right? Yes, you know? they 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 so. they're in the process of destroying their chemical and other industrial facilities, and they just don't seem to care. And it's all for nothing. It's for nothing, right? It it. it I, I I'm going to look this up because it's a it's a it's important. Uh, some historian or philosopher said a while back, like 20 years ago, that the Germans are more about theory and the Americans and the British, the English speakers, are more about practicality. You know, It's almost like the Germans are just trying to exist in a purely theoretical world where it doesn't matter how you get your electricity or what the price yeah, is. Yeah, well, everyone – but uh, every, uh, also, everyone always ends up paying the price for that, Right. Like beyond Germany, uh, you know, this whole thing with Ukraine would not have been possible were were not for the former chancellor uh, doing Putin's dirty work on Nord Stream. Well, right, all that good stuff. What so. should concern everybody, and this is something I think about, right? And I'll think about it harder in six months. We are coming out of the warmest winter in the northern hemisphere in fifty years, right? If next winter's cold, there's going to be a lot of problems. In, well, it in, certainly in, won't be cold in, because in if you uh, – I, there was a clip I did not include in, in Biden's thing. Thank you. If, you. if you don't believe in global warming, you should hang out with me at all the fires I go to. So, I'm sorry. All right. Bi uh, Biden said this? We got one. 
Biden said yeah. that? What fires yeah, can, does he go I'll, to? I'll put the clips in the show. What, what fire does he go to? <laughs> what the hell's he talking about? I got another one here. This is from our good friend Isaac Orr at the Center for the American Experiment uh, in Minnesota. His you work know, is Isaac, his right? work is great. So we'll uh, we'll put this in the show notes as well. Energy socialism. Did you hear about this, Mike? No. Oh, California yeah, yeah, electric California. companies to charge households based on their income. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, three major utility companies in California. You can guess which one. Well, there are only three. There are only three major. Right. So you know, San Diego. The measure uh, have proposed to charge their customers based on household income. The measure was drafted in response to a new California state law, would potentially save low-income families on their power bills while charging higher income. So, uh, less than twenty-eight thousand per year, a fifteen-dollar fixed charge between twenty-eight and sixty-nine, a thirty-dollar fixed charge per month between seventy and one hundred eighty. $51. And of course, if you're lucky enough to make more than $180,000, you get to pay $92. Uh, and then there's all kinds of tiering and everything yeah. else. So, uh, so the free state of California, the governor keeps railing on the, 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 there's the, the, a reason the, for this. There's a reason for this. States. There's a reason for this rate structure and it, and it makes sense. And that, and here's the, here's the reason, right? The way utility bills are going in this country is the fixed stuff on the bills is now more than the variable stuff, the actual stuff you use, because right. cause all the all the social, all the RPS and you know. Thank you. That it's the they, socialization. That's stuff right. They all get built into increasing. these. They get all get built into these fixed part of the, uh, the charge. California's just acknowledged what they needed to acknowledge, and that is that that is an incredibly regressive thing to happen, because you had you had people at the lower end of the economic scale paying more as a percentage than you did people at the higher end. Of course. Right? So this but, is their attempt to fix a problem that they themselves created, of course, by these, by these, you know, fixed rates getting through all the money, all this, all these charges getting thrown into fixed rates, these non-bypassables. I'm super concerned because once you set this thing up, you know how this is going to go from here on out. You know they're just going to keep pouring more and more charges into the fixed rates because of course they're just be able to say hey they know they can just they can just subsidize they can you know tier it right? that's right we, and the, the same people that are don't aren't impacted or don't care about any of this stuff it's nothing for them right it, it, uh, it, it's nothing for them it's it's so. it is another everybody out in the world was like this is terrible blah 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 I'm like you know what it is not good but not for the reasons you think the other thing is and this is sad it is another step towards California becoming, you know, you know. What a, happens in California? No, I don't care. Right? Nobody believes that anymore. No, I'm, I'm, it, it, you know, it's another step in California becoming the sad, um, you know, third world state that it is becoming, right? Where, you, you know, you have the yeah, really. I, I see. I disagree. You have the really rich and uh, the really poor and that's it. Right. That's, well, that was where I was going to go. It's exactly what they want, right? I, For now. I guess. Right. Until there aren't, aren't enough people to mow their lawns, walk their dogs, raise their children, wash their cars, fix their, you know, fix their sheds. Right. That That's the issue. Yeah. You're right. You may be right. You, you, they it's, may. It's a, you know, it, it's a paradise for the uber wealthy. Yeah. It's, right? it's they can isolate themselves behind gated communities and everything else. It, it's. Yes. That's the problem I have with it. You may so. be right. It may. It may be. I don't think it's intentional. I think every. A step like this is accidental, but it doesn't help any. 
It just doesn't help any. It bifurcates the right. system, and that means you're going to wind up with a bifurcated um, performance as well. So our job, our mission is to do everything we can to prevent this this sort of the scale from tipping over. And the other point I wanted to make about the you mentioned the Germany, the the the, the bureaucrats sitting around, you know, making decisions. I remind our listeners that none of them are going to be around when the bill comes due. Yeah, right. None of the politicians are going to be here to pick up the pieces. And most of the CEOs of the companies like PG and others that are uh, help, you know, kind of helping to go along with this stuff aren't going to be there either, right? Yeah. We, you know, we might not be there either, but they're certainly not going to be there uh, to pick up the pieces. So it's all a disaster. Why on earth the government is involving itself? Well, I know why, because energy is control. You control energy, you control the economy. So one more on energy, if I, if I, if I, you might indulge me, our friends at the daily caller, who I know you do a few uh, columns with, Yo, this was earlier uh, in the week, the Biden administration hands out millions to green groups that supported his climate bill. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the walk around money has begun. I going to say, let's as hope we predicted. Let's hope so. It's hardly uh, any US EPA awarded $177 million to environmental groups including some who publicly supported the Biden administration's signature climate law. Uh, the funding will be spread across 17 groups. will each receive a minimum of 10 million to serve as environmental justice, thriving communities, technical assistance centers. Now, uh, why am I so dumb as to not set up an EJTACTAC? Like, like I should have just set one of those babies up, right? Yep. Started raking in some of the dough. I, I don't know if I would qualify, though. I'm not sure if they base it on personalities, uh, backgrounds, uh, or what. Like, yeah. here is the problem with all of this. There are no guardrails around any of this. Sure there are. This is the government taking your money that you hand them and giving it to their friends who help get them reelected. That's see, it. See, there's there's the, nothing more and nothing less to this. Th there's scam. There's the guardrail. You can't be you can't be on the other side. And you probably just so you know, you can't be seen in public with a barbecue shop t-shirt cuz <laughs> you got to be a vegan. Um, I'm wearing my Pappy Smokehouse uh t-shirt, um, uh, the St. Louis barbecue joint. That's one of the best. I the am going to give you, uh, we don't get paid by them, but they're not a sponsor. Well, we should so. pappies. We love it. It's in, it's in St. Louis. It's, it is actually speaking to somebody from Richmond. It's pretty good barbecue. I gotta be honest with you. It's just, a, it's just kind of a groovy place, man. It's, it's got a good vibe. Um, Probably a good thing we didn't go to school near it because we weighed 500 pounds. Yeah, um, as it is, I'm already going to gain weight with I my wanna new toy, my Kamado Joe to, to, for another plug. To um to uh, to close this to close this, giving the people 177 million bucks. Eric Hoffer, who was a working uh, man and a philosopher, um, a public intellectual at the in the middle of the last century, once said that every great movement starts off as a cause, uh, becomes a business, and devolves into a racket. And as we come to your Earth Day, you have this terrible, terrible, terrible feeling in your gut that the environmental movement, which started off as a cause, became a business and has devolved into something of a racket. I mean, when you get a bunch of money just for walking around money during campaigns, yeah, you're well. You're it's, part begun, of the it's also the now the the money arm and the organizational tool, yeah, 
for the Democratic Party. And so this whole narrative is is designed to help feed the machine that then helps feed them to help get reelected. And then we get, you know, basically socked in the in the you know gut like I said. Uh, with all the re- results and the ramifications of these policies and the republicans need to stand bold and fight this stuff and not do this whole squishy we got to play along too frank once you know garbage what? so that's plant- my uh that's my t- take on it plant a tree and any up. more energy any more energy that's it for me i had i had so much more for this show but we're running long so let's do the race for the white house shall we sure all right, you ready for some news? Yeah, we got a new entry into the white into the into the race for the White House, and that is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Announced his candidacy this past Wednesday, yesterday, that he's running for president in 2024 as a Democrat, and he said, "quote I have come here today to announce my candidacy for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States." to end the corrupt merger of state and corporate power. Uh, During this campaign and during my administration, my objective will be to make as many Americans as possible forget that they are Republicans or Democrats and remember that they are Americans. We need to focus on the values we share instead of those that divide us. So he and Marion Williamson are the two Democrats who have announced so far Ironically and interestingly, our uh, beloved president keeps saying he's going to announce soon someday, but uh, he has not yet done so. So RFK Jr., he's sort of the Ralph Nader of this conversation. Um, Like sort of that's, I think, going to be his role in this conversation. And also, uh, he's been wickedly anti-vax. He always has been, but this COVID stuff is sort of kicking him into another gear on that. And also, I'm frankly not too upset about that because... He's also goofy and ridiculous on climate stuff, but he's been largely silent on that issue lately. So RFK in any comments, thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm another I, Kennedy running for president. I, I was going to say, I kind of, I kind of dig both. I dig him and I dig Marianne Williamson mostly because they're, they're just about my brand of kooky, right? They're just like, Hey, yeah. let's just, let's just say something and see what everybody thinks about it. Right. You just, what we really need is the the rent is too damn high. We need that guy in here yeah, too. And we're, we're in business, right? And yeah. and uh, um, uh, what was that? Uh, what was the old guy? What was the old guy who uh, Ross Perot? No, 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 no. Back in twenty sixteen or twenty twelve. Uh, oh boy, William Jennings Bryan. No, stop. It's it's, <laughs> it's the guy who was on that video that we always used to talk to say Kish was. Oh, old Joe Kressbeckler. Joe Kressbeckler. <laughs> yeah. RFK's got very strong Joe Kressbeckler energy. Anyway. All right. So one's in and yeah, one's out. That mess. Who? One is in and one is out. Uh, this is from Reuters. Uh, April 20th this morning. Uh, actually, no, it was yesterday. Uh, former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said on Friday, yeah. last Friday, he will not enter the 2024 presidential race. Yeah. The time is not right for me and my family, Pompeo said in a statement. This is not that time or that moment for me to seek elected office again. Of course, he nodded that he still has plenty of pep in his step 
um, and that he will not be relegated to the sidelines in the uh, nation's conversation about the soul and the battle for our future and all that good stuff. So our good friend, uh, and I do say that uh, genuinely, our good friend Mike Pompeo is not running this cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Ian and I had a little back and forth over that. Um, and, you know, I said, hey, you still got a lot of gas in the tank, right? This isn't the last of it. And he sent me back a text. And he's like, we still have a lot of gas left in the tank. So I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I've, yeah. I guess I've, I guess I'm, I'm, I just volunteered myself to do some work on the <laughs> non-campaign. Well, Secretary has been great to our organization. In fact, he's, uh, uh, has publicly and uh, support it, uh, um, and I'm hoping hoping to tie in with him a little bit too. So, yeah. if you're listening, Mr. Secretary, give us a jingle. One is mulling, one's in and one's out, and one is mulling. This is Governor Chris Christie says, "Yeah, I'm thinking about running still, but I'll only run if I can win." Yeah, that's pretty obvious to me, uh, right? So he's going to run. Yeah, no, he thinks he's the only one who can go toe to toe with the Donald. He's probably and right. Everyone's writing uh, Governor DeSantis's obituary. I think that's a little uh, early. A hundred percent, a little early. And and I, you want to talk Christie at all or no? I'll talk Christie if you want. I don't really, but if you got anything, go ahead. I was very impressed with him during the transition. Uh, he he show he's got he's a he's a a pretty skilled manager. He does really well in small groups. He's very smart. Um, he's, you know, I, I'm, I, I tilt towards him cause you know, I'm a New Yorker and he's from Jersey. So we're similar, more similar than dissimilar. Um, his big challenge is, is that his team is also from New Jersey and they, um, they don't understand that what goes in the Northeast doesn't go in the rest of the country. A lot of mm -hmm. times I, I, okay. could, I could say that differently, but that's about as far out as I want to get. Cause for all well, I'm going to work know, for the guy. We we may you know we we may hear more from. Him. I just wanted to, to like tease that out that he's making sure he's doing the rounds and making sure that people pay attention he, to him. He but. is a guy who he is a guy if he woke if we woke up tomorrow morning and he was president, I would not be concerned about his ability to do the job at all, at all. Got it. Interesting. Okay. I think he might be a little squishy on our issues, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe, I mean, like, maybe in a national campaign he'll talk. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like you know if. if like I said, you, would you trust him to deal with the Chinese, with the economy, with the Democrats and all that other stuff? You'd be like, yeah, he'd be fine, which I can only say about like one or two other guys in this whole campaign. So Sure. Okay. So I got one more and I thought this was interesting uh, for what for what the person he called out uh, and I'll play the clip and then we can chat about it. Ron DeSantis is a young man who is not doing well against me in the polls. To put it mildly, I believe that if he decides to run for president, which will only hurt and somewhat divide the Republican Party, which we don't need, he will lose the cherished and massive MAGA vote and never be able to successfully run for office again. I believe that. If he remains governor, which is what Florida voters assumed he would do, it would be a whole different story. Just saying. But who knows? So I found this interesting because he's not telling Haley to get out. He's not telling Vivek to get out. He's not telling anyone else to get out. So that tells me there's a little bit of a concern in, in, in Mar-a-Lago about, about uh, whether or not he's going to, you know, mount a serious challenge to Trump. That, that was my takeaway. That's a good thought. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's a good thought. It, so. it, it, it whatever.
it, it's kind of early for all this stuff. I mean, I, I figured we would be, we would get. Yeah, to, no, I, I agree hundred percent. I figured like we, all this garbage about you know uh, about DeSantis being you know dead is silly, and Christie considering it's all silly, but our people love it, so why not? Let's let's talk about it, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's you know it's 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 Washington D.C. porn. So what the hell? Okay, I am. I have a few little bibs and bobs, uh, but I'm largely done. Do you have any big, big, booming thoughts or subjects you want to? Yeah, you guys cut this out at the end of the last one. I'm going to say it again, just because I got to get it off my chest. I don't like professional Irishmen. I don't like people who get overly sentimental about the fact that they're Irish and the fact that we spent four days having to listen to the United States president bleed all over, like he was some. Loser in an Irish bar at one in the morning He's on the cover of Lucky Charms. You know it, 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 it. Yeah, you know, uh, actually, I don't I, often agree with um, me. No, no. Uh, what's his name there? The the guy who does the board, the whiteboard, Carl uh, Rove. Yeah. Well, he actually had a good op-ed on this very subject. You should read it. It was oh, in the, today's yeah. you paper. See, that's the problem. You know, when you become like one of these weepy professional Irishmen. You open yourself up to guys like Carl Rove of no distinguishable nationality or anything, right? A guy who just like got got here from Mars. It it just it's bad. It, this is embarrassing. And you know, I I think I speak for most of the Irishmen I know. The president in Ireland his last you know the last four days of last week it was painful to watch. Just painful. Sorry. Yeah, I remember, uh, if our listeners remember, I was planning on doing a montage of the clips. A montage? But just too terrible for yourself. There, it's just, it's, I can't listen to him anymore. They're just too He's, He was about 10. Besides, the, this week he had some good good doozies with his fuzzy math. So he, I, he, I, Look, he was about 10 seconds away from adopting a brogue out there. It was that bad, know, right? right? Yeah. Well, it was just basically a government's funded family vacation to the home country. I'm okay. It keeps him out of DC and keeps him out yeah, of trouble. Right. Let's, let's do it. All right. I got a lightning round uh, just because it's interesting. Uh, I thought anyway, just a couple of data points. One, this is from Bloomberg. India passes China as world's most populous nation. Yeah. One says population will rise, will add urgency for PM Modi to create jobs. India seized the top spot, adding 23 million babies in 2022. India's population surpassed 1.426 billion, slightly higher than China's 1.425. So uh, just a hair above, according to 2023 estimates. So India takes over. Yeah, I mean, this was to be expected, right? The the um. You know, China's been on a pretty one aggressive, child. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say one child, compulsory stuff. abortion. You know, they and and their obsession with economic growth. You know, means family development's going to get retarded. It it um, it makes me feel good about the world, right? The the world's largest English speaking country, the world's largest democracy, is also the world's most populous country. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we are tending those fires. Um, yeah, know, unfortunately, it, it, uh, we haven't been lately. That's so. right. And, um, you know, what worries me is the Indians are one of the principal buyers of Russian oil. That's right. I could easily see Team Biden deciding to make a thing of that, which, um, you know, talk about cutting off your nose to spite yeah, your face, well, right? certainly not worth doing that. And, and 
it, it, if you're the Chinese, if we had a if we had a coherent foreign policy, it wouldn't matter because you know we would be we wouldn't be in this. Shut up, Tom. Soup um, in the first place. Shut up, Tom. Uh, okay, so another one around the world here. Uh, my producer found this: a Kenyan beat a Kenyan in the Boston Marathon. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> have, have, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you a story about this? You got a second? Of course. Yeah. So. So, you know, I run, I run in, in 10Ks and half marathons, right? So this 10K in Richmond, it, it's got like a first place prize of like 10,000 bucks or something, right? Enough that it draws like legitimate runners. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they do the worst possible thing to your, to your sense of confidence. They make, they make everybody else, they make everybody run. You run out and then you run back on the course. So when you get about a mile out onto the course, and I'm not fast, but I'm not slow either, right? I'm in like one of the first eight or 10 corrals, right? I'm going. The the leaders come, are, you see them running back towards you as they're finishing the race, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, dude, it's not just that they're better runners. It's like they're a different damn species out there. I mean, they're all arms and legs and they just, it's like they're not even touching the ground, right? It's just up and down, up and down. It's just the most dispiriting thing because you're just like, it's the most dispiriting thing because you're like, I will never in a million years um, be able to do that or look like that or run like that. So, Well, uh, just to round up that conversation, Mike, you'll be happy to know that a Kenyan won the women's division of the Boston Marathon as well. So. God almighty. <laughs> and then I got one more. Uh, this is a full circle. Uh CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Company, is pausing Twitter after government-funded media label. This, of course, follows uh, on the heels of NPR quitting Elon Musk's Twitter over the government-funded label. Originally, he had the phrase state-affiliated media, and both of them objected. And so he switched the name to government-funded media. And uh, and then they ejected also uh, uh, NPR because you know they only get a little bit of money from us taxpayers, but C- CBC complained about the same thing. So he he changed their label to sixty nine percent government funded media, which is the number uh, that Canada subsidizes uh, CBC. So. Interesting little tidbit there. Uh, in I don't know Elon's, why they're annoyed about Elon's that. Twitter world. I don't know why they're annoyed about that. I mean, it's true. Why are you? Why are you annoyed? You're 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 state affiliated. Because they're supposed to be independent. You well, you're state. You're not. You're a state affiliated media entity. Yes. I'm. It, I know. It's, it's great. It, I love it. Just is. I love it. Unfortunately, I'm not. Well, fortunately, I'm not sure Elon's doing well these days because te- Tesla's getting kicked in the in the shorts, and he self admitted that. Uh, Twitter is worth about a third of what he paid for it. So, but anyway, so that's all I have today uh, for the unregulated podcast. Anything best in finals, Mr. McKenna? Mm, I had this terrible feeling I'm forgetting something, but I can't remember what it might be. So, you know what the good news is? Yeah. We're back at it in a week. <laughs> so, if you forgot, yeah, just seriously, throw it in, throw it, throw it over to me and I'll get it into our thoroughly prepared and researched show for next week. There we go. Oh yeah. I probably should say I probably should say thank you to my nephews again for tuning in. So I, I should probably do that. So there you go. I did that. All right. Fair enough. Now I want to end on this. I think we alluded to it at one point. 
But uh, given that uh, the left is going after Clarence Thomas yet again for having the audacity to have friends who happen to have a little bit of money and are from Texas, God forbid, uh, I wanted to play this clip. This is from a very excellent documentary, believe it or not, on PBS about Clarence Thomas. Uh, and this is the Chief Justice, in his own words, describing his uh, his hearing it was chaired by a much younger, but certainly no less ridiculous <laughs> President Joe Biden. Uh, and then Senator Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Let me run this. It's a little long, but please listen. It's so good. Good morning, Judge. Welcome to the blinding lights. Finding out what you mean when you say that you would apply the natural law philosophy to the Constitution is, in my view, the single most important task of this committee. Senator Biden was very focused on natural law. How did that go? Who knows? I, I have no idea what he was talking about. I just want to make sure we all know what we're talking about here, that you and I know at least what we're talking about here. There's a fervent and aggressive school of thought that wishes to see natural law further inform the Constitution than it does now, argued against by the positivist led by Judge Bork. Now, again, that may be lost on all the people. You know and I know what we're talking about. I have to be perfectly honest with you. I, you sit there and you have no idea what they are talking about. All I know is that he was asking me these questions about natural law. Someone may apply it in a way, like Moore, who leads him in a direction that is, quote, liberal. You may apply it in a way that leads you in a direction that's conservative. Or you may, like many argue, not apply it at all. But it is a fundamental question that is going to be almost impossible for non-lawyers to grasp in an exchange, but you know and I know it is a big, big deal. And in conclusion, one of the things you do in hearing is you have to sit there and look attentively at people you know have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Boom! More words of wisdom uh, from Chief uh, from Justice Thomas. The man is a gem, a treasure, and his wife's great too. So. Hang in there, Chief Justice. Uh, we are all suffering uh, what you had to suffer back in 1991. And that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, for the 126th episode of the Unregulated Podcast. Namaste. Namaste.